And I love what Pastor Chris said. I love it so much. I love it more than 100%. Discover personally how the Word of God can affect and make a change in your life through the ministry of Pastor Chris Ross. Pastor Chris is the founder of Breakthrough Ministries International Church with multiple branches in South Africa and abroad. He is a healing evangelist for the Jesus the Answer Outreach Ministry, an outreach crusade bringing healing, deliverance and breakthrough to many people. Breakthrough Ministries International is a vibrant church with young, energetic people full of zeal and fire for the Lord. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast channel to receive new messages every week. Now, let's listen to Pastor Chris. Hallelujah. Saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Amen. This Obadiah gives us a great prophecy of the coming of saviors. Saviors. And who are these saviors? We know Jesus Christ is the Savior. Amen. And he is the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. We all love the scripture that tells us that a Savior was born to us in the city of David. In Luke chapter 2 verses 11, it talks about, For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But I want to tell you, my friends, even though Jesus is the Savior of the world, there is something we are supposed to do to save people. And I want to, if it's as the leader here that God has given me or set me here, I want to really steer this boat in the direction that we will become a very evangelistic type church. Amen. And I'm not just talking about the J.O. Crusades, which is one part of evangelism. And then the second part, or one of the parts, could be the cell church, where we try to get doors and homes where people don't know Christ and go there and become evangelistic. The third way, or one of the many ways, there's so many ways, is also to do personal evangelism by talking to people and telling them about Jesus. Uh-huh. One of the dangers we have is the church becomes like this now, almost like sorted out. If you stand here where I stand, you can see it's very nice, this church is very nice. Don't you think it's a nice church? Everything is nice. And I'm a person who likes nice things, so I always the longer I'm here, the nicer things will become. But I don't want you to become too comfortable in the niceness of the church and then we don't do what God wants us to do. Do you understand? So I'll try my best as a pastor here to, to, to make you understand and to steer you in this direction that you will become evangelistic or it, will, it should bother you if you are not evangelistic. And actually, I realized that becoming like this is, this is a great solution to many of our problems. 
Because you see, if the only thing I'm going to do is to try to make to fix you, it's going to take me a long time. Because you need a lot of fixing. Do you understand? And we also realized the day your coffin goes down, I didn't get the chance to fix you completely. So what we're going to do as a church is forget about all the fixing and just obey God and do what He wants us to do. And in that, God will fix you Himself and God will sometimes overlook your mistakes and your failures because the real way to love God is to obey Him. You see, I think what prevents us from becoming saviors of men is that we are too concerned that we are not really ready to be telling others about Jesus because we ourselves don't live perfect lives. Well, I've got good news for you. You know, the heroes of the Bible, none of them had perfect lives. Rahab was a prostitute. And she is one of the great grandmothers of Jesus Christ. Moses was a murderer. Abram was a liar. And David was a killer. So why do you think God can't use you? The problem I realize is that I'm going to work myself to a pulp. Preaching to you. Getting you to the place where you become a strong believer. Mature believer. A believer that's regularly in church. I realize I'm wasting my time. And got no time to waste, yeah? But if I make you a savior of men, if I make you a gatherer of souls, a herder of sheep, then that's the best thing I can do for you. And that is what you are going to become in this church. You forgot so easily that somebody gathered you to sit here. You forgot so easily that somebody had to get out of his comfort zone and come and invite you to a setting or tell you about Jesus Christ. You forgot so easily. And now that we are seated, we say, ah, let's just enjoy the beauty of the concert on a Sunday morning. God forbid. And God forgive us. Forgive us if we have not obeyed his word. I believe there's a wave of God's spirit that's blowing over this land and I don't want to miss it and I don't want you to miss it. It's the harvest, some call it the last harvest. It's a harvest of souls, people who are going in the wrong direction going, going to burn in the fire of hell but God is calling you to throw out a line and save them from this pit of hell and God is going to use you in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah so even though we, we claim to, that Jesus is the Savior there's a sense that you are also a Savior Amen and you say, Pastor, how can I save? This is how you can save. You are just supposed to preach the gospel and share the love of Jesus everywhere. That's all. Is that all? That's all. 
preach the gospel gospel means good news and then share the love of jesus everywhere that's all hallelujah clap for jesus it's so simple what's the gospel jesus christ died on the cross 2000 years ago but many people do not know what happened on the cross do you know that i put the crosses in the gardens and sometimes when i explain to guess why i did it i said it's i want the children and anybody to see the crosses there and to ask the question what is significant about this cross then it gives me an opportunity to tell them what happened on the cross are you with me many people don't know they don't know the effort that jesus christ exerted and the price he paid so that men could be saved many people don't know and you know that it's very interesting that people cannot be saved without us preaching about jesus yeah jesus paid the price he exerted great effort but if we don't preach about it if we don't tell the story if we don't share the gospel people cannot be saved and this is what the epistles call the foolishness of preaching foolishness of preaching men are saved by the foolishness of preaching hallelujah the bible says how can they know about jesus if somebody does not tell them how can they hear if no one has ever sent them romans 10:14 this is one of bmi's favorite scriptures bmi has some favorite scriptures and if you are part of this church you should highlight this in your bible and start to memorize hebrews sorry romans 10:14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed in other words we tell people call on the name of the lord you will be saved so who's the lord how can i call on him if i don't believe on him and how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without the preacher glory to god ladies and gentlemen forget about the foolish notion that the preacher is standing in front of you that's the person next to you say you are the preacher yeah, do that do that for me please touch the one on the other side say you are the preacher and if that is true that means there are many people that need to hear from you and if they don't it means you are neglecting your duty go back to verse 14 it says how shall they call on him on whom they have not believed i'm teaching this morning you must take note i'll be finished in a few minutes when your concentration when your concentration is finished and i'm also finished how shall they believe in whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher verse 15 please and how shall they preach except they be sent so today i send you preachers i send you today 
If after the series of teachings I get one savior of men, one, I have done my duty. Just one out of all of you, 10,000 that's sitting in front of me today. How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Hallelujah. Beautiful scripture. Amen. But many people who are alive today don't know the story of the cross. And even some of you sitting here this morning, you don't know the story of the cross. You don't really know what happened there, is it? I said this last week, I say it again. Jesus was not the only one that was crucified. There were two thieves crucified with him. Are you all hearing me? And then, they were not the only three that was crucified in the days of the Roman. Crucifixion was a normal way of killing people. Are you with me? Uh -huh. Then also, Jesus was an innocent man that was crucified. He didn't really deserve to die. But I also want to tell all of you as you're listening to me, that he wasn't the only and the first innocent man that was killed. You know this world is full of wicked people, isn't it? Don't you know of some innocent person who died one day by some robbers who came and killed him? Or somebody thought he was this and they shot him? It's, it's innocent. Are you all hearing me? So what I'm trying to explain to you is that the events that happened on the cross, in a certain way, it was not unique. There were probably other people also killed innocently. There were definitely others crucified because Roman crucifixion was a common thing of the day. But that is why we must constantly tell the people that the innocent man who died on that day, 2,000 years ago, wasn't just one of the many innocent people who died. He was not a normal person in that sense. No. He's the one that was sent from heaven above. For God so loved the world that he gave this one. This one that came down on this cross was the one that God sent in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. That if you believe in him, not in the other thief or the other thief, this one in the middle. Because he came as a ransom. For the sins of many. For this purpose was Christ crucified. To pay for the sins of the whole world. That is the message that we must tell others. Otherwise we think something happened in history 2000 years ago. A Jewish man was crucified. It was the historian Josephus who was born four years after Jesus was crucified. He wrote about the stories of the crucifixion. And the history student studied the story of the crucifixion. The history Jewish students, because it was part of Jewish history. 
But it could have only remained part of Jewish history and only for history students to study. People don't know about things that happened in the past unless you tell them. Do you understand? You know John van Riebeek came to the Cape in 1652. You were not even born then. But the teacher told you in the history class that John van Riebeek came here in 1652 and Harry de Strand was walking on the strand also that time. So if you don't learn about it, you won't know it. Are you with me? The crucifixion of Jesus is something that must be told from generation to generation to generation. So that everybody knows. Everybody ought to know. Andre Kraut sang that chorus. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Not just another figment of imagination. Uh, one of the great uh, religious heroes. You get Allah, you get Jesus, you get Buddha, you get... No, ladies and gentlemen. It's not like that. He's God who became man. In the flesh. To pay the price for your sins. And without the shedding of blood... There will be no remission of sins. The animal sacrifice was only a type of Jesus Christ. But when he was nailed to the cross, it was for you and for me. Oh, my sins were so high. There's no way I can go to heaven. My sins are too high. But he rescued me. Hallelujah. He paid the price that I could not pay. I owe the debt I couldn't pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Oh, today I sing a brand new song. Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid my debt that I could never pay. And that is the story that we must tell the innocent people of Delft, of Belha, of Kales River. Brother, sister, have you heard of Jesus? The one who died on the cross for you. He requires your life that if any man believes in him, they don't have to perish. Because there is a perishing coming. But to, today I'm telling you because I'm throwing a line to you. I'm a savior of men. And I'm a savior of women. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world must know. Because as many as believe that he is the Son of God, they will surely be saved. Amen. And the power of God is available for the people that hear and believe the gospel. Salvation comes by faith, and faith comes by hearing. Praise God. 
And if the world is to benefit from this event, then we must tell the people, do you understand? Everybody can benefit from this event that happened 2,000 years ago. They must first hear about it because how shall they believe unless they hear? But because you've gone silent, you, I'm talking to you, you've gone silent. You never told somebody else. Somebody told you, that's why you are sitting here this morning. But who did you tell? That's my message to you. But you can become a savior of men. You see, all the troubles that you ever find, it is solved in this mystery this morning. Become a savior of men. And Jesus will take care of you. He will love you. He said, feed my Peter. Do you really love me? Feed my sheep. Glory to God. Now, the Great Commission. Are you still here? What is this thing called the Great Commission? The Great Commission is the last words of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the last words of Jesus is a clear commission for us to tell others about him. That was his last words. We are asked to go into the world and tell others about him. It is, it is recorded in all the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. What was the last words of Jesus? You know? We are asked to go into the world and preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it is called, in many uh, languages, the Great Commission. Because it was the final command of Jesus to his disciples. And I want to tell you that final words are special words. And they are great words. They are the last words, so they carry a sense of being the most important words ever spoken by a human being. Last words are ominous words. The word ominous in the English means threatening words. It's not, it's not jokey words. It's like you, you stand to attention when somebody is saying the last words. Are you hearing me? I heard the story of a pastor who died. And while he was on his sickbed, he recorded his last few sentences of what must happen when he dies when after he passed away the family came from far and north Grafrenet all these places to bury him in the traditional way that the families normally bury their people and while they were debating this the son who was sitting at his bed when he asked him to record his last words said to them, just a minute, I have the last words of my father. And as they played the tape, they heard the father say, when I die, to give my body to my pastor. And whatever he decides to do with it, 
he and the church and the other pastors, that is what must be done to my body. And the members of the family said, hey, this is the way we do it, but if this is his last words, just let it happen because we don't want something to happen to us. Because there's something mysterious and something ominous, say ominous, as a threat. Sy wil moet sê, die man moet by jou ko spook. Want sy het om nie gebegrawe soos hy gevraar het nie, ne? So the last words are very ominous words, I tell you. They carry some kind of power. Is it true? And there's a danger if you ignore the last words. Say Amen. There's a danger. Because it's frightening words. And the church of Jesus, and may God forgive us, we have also fallen into a great danger. Because we might have ignored the last words of Jesus Christ. We have ignored this instruction to go into the world, the church in general. So the church is plagued with sin. We wonder why the church today is so different to the churches that, that we were born in and we come from. Me, I'm talking about me. It's played with sin, poverty, debt, homosexuality, fornication. Other perversions are in the church because we've ignored the last words. The church is not what it's supposed to be. It's like a phantom of what it's supposed to be. And I don't want this church to be like that in the name of Jesus. Last parts of the church are powerless and helpless against demon power. It's a large group or a mass of tiny spiritual Christians running around in circles playing church games. Because we've ignored the last words of Jesus. We will become ineffective and powerless and I don't want BMI to be ineffective and powerless. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. Last words are not just ominous words. Last words are important words. Important. If you have an opportunity to say your very last words to a friend, what will you talk about? Will you tell him about the soap that he should use to bath himself with? Or how he should iron his clothes? Or would you tell him something more important than that? If it's the last words he will ever say, what will the words be? Won't you say something really deep? Something meaningful? Something powerful? Something that the person can remember for the rest of his life? You won't talk about soap. You won't talk about these foolish things. No, not at all. If you watch National Geographic, you see there's one program called Air Crash Disasters. In the one of the disasters, it was a plane that lost the back tail. If you lose the back tail, then the plane is just, was doing this up and down. And the pilot told the people that 
the chances of them surviving is almost zero. But he can still try. And for one hour, the pilot kept the people in the sky going up and down and up and down. But eventually the plane crashed and all the people, almost all of them died. And when the rescuers came to the crash scene, they found the bodies strewn over the mountain. And in many of their pockets, because they had one hour before death, they took pens and papers and they wrote the last words to their family members. What do you think was the stuff they wrote on the paper? I'm asking you, do you think they said, the cat food is in the top corner on the left side? Make sure the dog has an appointment with the vet next week. Do you think those are the things people think about when it's the last words? Do you think people will joke when it's the last words? When Jesus came, he stood on the mountain, olives, the Mount Olives, and he spoke to Peter, and he spoke to the disciples. He was about to go. That's when he said, go and preach this gospel. The last words. He didn't say, Peter, I'm going away or... Don't forget your fish, you must fry it a little bit more brown on the one side. Nothing. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. And those who believe, they shall be saved. In Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They record it. In, in Matthew is on the Mount of Olives. In John is sitting by the dining table. In Luke, he's standing by the sea. But the last words remain the same. Go, therefore, go, 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 tell the people. The last words are important words. And lo and behold, if we don't obey it. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, I'm turning this boat in that direction. It's going to take a short while, Pastor Charlie. He's helping me with the home cells. On the 3rd of March, we're going for J.O. again. Outreach. But I'm more turning now to you as individuals. That your life must start to turn in this way. And start to think. Can't I use my mouth, my mind, my strength, my energy to become a savior of men? To tell somebody... To tell somebody about the saving power of Jesus Christ. And I know you can. Amen. Amen. And you will in Jesus' name. Amen. The last and great commission will make you a savior of men. We are under an obligation towards the sinners and the heathen of doubt. We are, an, we are under an obligation to speak. We are under obligation to go. We are under obligation to preach. And we are under obligation to pray. To fight for the souls of human beings. And to make ourselves the saviors of men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Let me close with this last part. Men have now become saviors of themselves. Look at this, 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, please, to 5. If you can put it in the New American Standard Bible, it will also help. In ASB. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. When is that days? It's now. Stage 6 load setting says it's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> but what will happen in the last days? Jokes aside, men will be lovers of themselves. That is why you haven't told somebody. Hello, young girl, you haven't told your friends about Jesus and the cross. It's because you have become a lover of yourself. You will become lovers of money. Your work is more important than the church. You become boastful. You become arrogant. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Unloving. And all these evil things. Without self-control. Brutal. Haters of good. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You just have a form of godliness, but you deny the power. Avoid such people. Hallelujah. If, if your friends are like that, then don't make them your friends anymore. Avoid such people. Don't be a lover of yourself. Don't be the one that's doing the least for the kingdom of God. Hmm? After salvation, most Christians assume that Christianity spreads automatically by osmosis. It's like you think people will just come here by themselves. If you don't tell them, if you don't tell them, they won't come. If you don't tell anybody, you are so concerned about yourself, you're concerned about your problem, your problem, your problem. Forget about your problem. Let's become saviors of men. Women and men become saviors of men. Hallelujah. Oh yes, don't think that I'm a woman, I can't. You can be the greatest leader. You know, when my, my pastor, Bishop Dag, tells his story of how he was nurtured in the kingdom. He talks about a lady called Betty. Oh, in all the books. He says, this woman really nurtured him after he gave his life to Christ. She gave him his first Bible. She led him, she took him to an all-night prayer meeting. Oh, a woman! Look at the great evangelist he's become and the great prophet he's become. But a woman nurtured him. He said he used to go to the race course. Because his father had race horses. And after he was saved, he told her he's going to the race course. He told him, no, Christians don't go places like that. He said, wow. You see, she gave him the scripture, abstain from all forms of evil. Wow. And he, he respected her because he knew that she has his interest at heart. He always talks about her, and I'm sure that today he looks after her. But she was the woman that uh, 
molded him and mentored him to become the great man of God that he is today. So ladies here, and I'm talking about preachers, and I'm talking about saviors of men. I'm not talking about the male counterpart. I'm talking about each and every one of you. You don't know what that boy is going to turn out that you are busy mentoring and taking with you to church. Oh yes. You don't leave for church on a Sunday without trying to bring a whole crowd with you. Those little children, they're going to become great saviors of men one day. And you have a, a role to play in that. You, 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 you. Hallelujah. Teaching is telling you what you must do for God. And I'm teaching you this morning. Glory to God. We are going to start thinking of others. Amen. And we will regard the great commission. Now I want to close by reading you this story of a vision that the man of God had. But this wasn't any man of God. He was a great man of God. William Booth. Have you heard of William Booth? William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. Those people who go to church but they've got like army clothes on. You don't know them. But in our days they were very prominent here. I don't see them around as much. But this is William Booth. He had visions. He had visions of God and that's why he formed the Salvation Army. Can you hear the name? Salvation Army. We're an army that goes to save people. Yes, they were dressed in military uniform. They were sergeants, generals, constables, sergeant mayor, everything. They were serious. They gave their lives for the gospel to tell others about this wonderful story of Jesus and his grace. Hallelujah. Now, William Booth had some amazing visions. And it gives us as Christians a clear behavior towards the Great Commission. Can I read the vision of William Booth to you? I hope you receive it. He said, in his vision he saw a dark and stormy ocean. You need to use your mind now to see this with me. I don't have a picture for you, but I'm reading you a story like a good school teacher. I'm closing. All right. He saw a dark and stormy ocean. There were black clouds hanging heavily over the sea. Every now and then there were vivid flashes of lightning and thunder. When the winds moaned, the waves rose and foamed and dipped and rose again. If you have ever been in a wild ocean before, you will know that this is truly a dangerous and deadly place to be. In that ocean, he saw myriads of poor human beings plunging, floating, shouting and shrieking and cursing and struggling and drowning. As these poor souls cursed and shrieked, they rose and shrieked again and then sank into the water to rise no more. Suddenly, he saw in the midst of this dark and angry ocean a mighty rock that rose up like a mountain in the midst of the sea. Are you still with me? Around this great rock was a platform onto which some of the poor struggling, drowning, 
wretches who were continually climbing out of the angry ocean. William Booth says that he was delighted to see the platform which was being used as a point of salvation for the struggling souls in the sea. As he continued to observe the scene in the ocean, he noticed some amazing things which reveal a lot about our behavior today. Number one, he saw the saviors of men. He noticed that the number of those who were already safe on the platform were helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach the same place of safety. Number two, he saw organizers of salvation. He found a number of those who had been rescued. They planning and organizing ladders, ropes, rafts, boats, and any other equipment that they could use to effectively save some of the poor, the struggling creatures from the sea. Number three, he saw self-sacrifice. He also noticed that there were some of the saved people who actually jumped into the water regardless of the consequences to rescue the perishing. The sight of the people being saved and the sight of those sacrificial saviors delighted William Booth greatly. Number four. Oh, there they got it. Beautiful. Number four, most had forgotten. Are you still awake? I'm, I'm closing now. Now, my watch is my watch is. I have five more minutes. You can still concentrate for five more. My watch is called the concentration watch. You have five more minutes to concentrate. Now it becomes dangerous. Are you listening? Most had forgotten. This is the fourth type of people. Fourth type. William Booth also noticed that although all those on the platforms had been rescued from the sea at one time or another, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten about it. The memory of the dangerous sea no longer troubled them. The fact that people on the platform did not have any agonizing care for the poor perishing ones that were drowning before their very eyes was the most difficult scene to behold. Indeed, many of the drowning and struggling creatures in the sea were friends, husbands, wives, mothers, sisters, brothers, and even children of those rescued already. But they have forgotten them. Number five, there was a group that was unconcerned. Many were unconcerned. The next amazing thing to behold was the fact that the people on the platform were aware of what was happening in the sea. There were two reasons for this. First of all, they were living on the platform in full view of the struggling, drowning souls in the water. Secondly, those on the platform regularly went to, the, to hear lectures in which the awful state of the poor, the drowning creatures was described. In spite of these facts, most of the people on the platform were unconcerned. They heard preaching like today. They heard lectures of what will happen to those. But they were unconcerned. Number six. 
They were trading in food. There was a group that was trading. They were selling chips and stuff in full view. Another interesting thing about the occupants of the platform was their different occupations which they carried out in full view of the perishing. Many of them were absorbed day and night in trading. They did their trading to make gain and to store up their savings in boxes and strong rooms. Overtime workers, I'm preaching to you. Sunday workers, unconcerned, trading in full view. While many are perishing. Number seven, growing flowers on the rock. Some of the people on the platform were actually spending their time growing flowers on the side of the rock. Others were painting pieces of cloth or playing music. Some were dressing themselves up in different styles and walking about to be admired. Hey! Others occupied themselves in eating and drinking. All this was done in full view of the poor struggling creatures that were drowning in the water all around them. Number eight. There were many groups on this rock. Those who argued on the rocks. Arguments on the rock. Some of the people on the platform were taken up with arguing about the poor drowning creatures. The arguments had to do with what would become of them in the future. They were arguing about the drowning creatures. Number nine. Religious ceremonies on the rock. Whilst beholding the strugglers in the sea, some of the people on the platform contented themselves with holding curious religious ceremonies. And by carrying out these ceremonies, they felt content that they had performed their duty towards the perishing creatures. Religious ceremonies. Number 10, the higher platform. William Booth now looked more closely and noticed that some of the people who had come onto the rock had discovered a path that led to a higher platform away from the black clouds and the stormy ocean. From that higher platform, they expected to be carried away one day to the mainland. Those on this higher platform passed their time away with pleasant thoughts, congratulating themselves on their good fortune in being rescued from the stormy oceans, on building a nice big church called Zion Sanctuary. They sang songs about the happiness that they would experience when they are taken to the mainland. But they forgot about the people that are perishing. Number 11. Oh, I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. The great being. I'm telling you about the vision of William Booth. One of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. Suddenly, the great being. Suddenly, the miseries, agonies, quarrels, and blasphemies of these poor struggling people in this dark sea Move the pity of the great God so much that he sent a great being to save them. This great being leaped right into the sea, the raging sea, among the drowning, sinking people where he toiled to rescue them with great cries, tears and sweat and bloodied hands. 
as the great king toiled he continually cried to those already rescued to help him number 12 there was no help for the great being another strange thing that was on this platform those on the platform heard the great being calling for help but they did not take heed nor care about him they said they loved him very much and they were in full sympathy with him in the task he had undertaken in fact they worshipped him and they professed to do so but they were so taken with their own professions their money saving their pleasure their families and their nice activities number 13 make us more secure second last of the of the three make us more secure perhaps the strangest of all things was that those on the platform were actually crying to the great being to come out of the water and spend some time with them to make them even happier than they were say mercy some wanted him to come and make them more secure on the rock others wanted him to come and take away various doubts and misgivings that they had they would cry to the great being who was in the water with the poor struggling drowning creatures come to us come and help us a clear vision the vision is not difficult to interpret is it you do not need to be a rocket scientist to understand it the rock was the place of salvation all those drowning in the water or the drying the dying shrieking struggling agonizing multitudes who are going to hell the great being is jesus jesus christ who was sent to save the people the people on the rock are unconcerned christians who fill our churches today pastor robin you can change over quickly just one minute they're just changing over are you still with me you see the picture and the last point it's a true vision isn't it it describes us in great detail we cannot escape the description of the unconcerned church who have not made themselves saviors of men It shows us that saved people like us have neglected the God-given work of saving souls. But it's the obligation of the Christian to save many souls. It's your obligation, it's my obligation to save many souls. You say, Pastor, how, how are we going to do this? The Lord will help us. But you will not stay a member and a visitor here without starting to be part of the rescuers and the saviors of men. You will have in your life a number of people that you can show that have grabbed onto the line that you threw into this water. That you will bring out of the dying, shrieking, Bellows as they roam. When I was a young man, the Lord gave me an old hymn that stayed part of me, which describes even this. It says, Brightly beams my Father's mercy.
And I believe the Lord gave that song to me because I would probably, every time when I hear about becoming a savior, it really triggers my life and my heart. As much as all of you have been impacted through my ministry, I just feel that it's so incomplete, so incomplete. So many more need to hear. But as I dive into the water, I can't do it alone. I'm looking for help. But many are what? Unconcerned. Doing business. Thinking that people will just naturally come. People will just have a feel in the street. I must go to God. No, they won't come if you don't tell them. Brightly beams our Father's mercy. This is the picture of the sea from the line. How save more, but to us, yes, He gives the keeping of the light. Somebody told me I, I did a little bit of research, and they said they were the higher lights and they were the lower lights. Yeah, the higher lights were to warn them from far. Then the lower lights was to warn you about the rocks just here near. You were too near, but the lower lights was it's, it's warning lights. Some poor, fainting, struggling seamen. You can rescue. You can rescue. I pray to God that I don't miss the real reason of my calling. Let the lower lights be so burning. Send a gleam right across the way. Some poor thing struggling. You may rescue. You may save. The second verse is, is, is beautiful. Trim your feeble lamp, my brother. Some poor sailor is tempted stone, trying now to reach the harbor in the darkness, maybe long. Let the Lord, our lights be burned. Send a gleam across the way. Some poor you can rescue. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I was preaching to the church this morning and teaching the church that we must become saviors of men. But before I call them who wants to commit their lives to becoming saviors of men, I want to ask you, if you die tonight, where will you spend eternity? The picture I painted to you 
on the canvas of your mind was a picture of people drowning in the deep seas of life and you are that person but today a lifeline is being thrown out to you why don't you grab onto it Jesus Christ died for you 2000 years ago on the cross of Calvary he shed his blood for the remission of your sins you say pastor I've done so many wrong things but God can forgive you of all your sins and your mistakes you can be a religious person I tell you if you don't receive Jesus as your savior whoever calls on the name of the Lord they will be saved today is your day Nicodemus said Lord what must I do he said you must be born again if you have never made that prayer that commitment maybe you did and you backslider you're not following God today I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and to start following him from this day forward you don't have to perish in the waters of life there's a lifeline there's a lifeline for you this morning if you say pastor pray for me I want to commit my life to Christ put up your right hand and I will pray for you I won't embarrass you I will not embarrass you I want to come to I've never heard about the story of the cross I thank you for telling me this day Jesus died for me on the cross of Calvary I want you if you put up your hand I want you to take a step out of your chair and don't be shy come to the blue mat we all had to come to this blue carpet this is where the prayers are done for salvation come out of your chair and come to me everybody stand the whole church is standing the whole church is standing some poor fainting struggling seamen you may rescue you may say I want you to come out if you put up your hand. Don't be ashamed. This is a very important decision you must make in your life. If you put up your right hand, I saw people's hands up. Please come. I don't want to force you. You must make your own step to the front. There are many people coming and the people are supposed to be clapping for them and they are clapping as they come. What's happening there? Please. Please. Come on, Virgil. He gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the Lord, where's Naldo? The lights be burning. Send a gleam across the way. Some poor fainting, struggling seamen. Look at me, people, we won't. This is a very important moment in your life. This moment might never come again for you. But today, the lifeline is out in the waters. The carpet is blue like the sea. But I'm standing on the rock, on the mountain. Hallelujah. But I'm throwing out a lifeline to you. Many years ago, I stood where you stand. I was 12 years old. When I gave my life to Jesus. I never regret that day. I've seen so many people suffer, so many people's lives lost, but I never regret the day. I came to the Lord with tears. 
He washed my eyes with tears that day. That I might see. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. I'm going to help you to call on the name of the Lord. And this is how I will do it. You say this prayer with me. Pray after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you today. I come to you today. Just as I am. Just as I am. I'm in the sea. I'm in the sea. Of despair. Of despair. Please rescue me. Please rescue me. Save me. Save me. I've made many mistakes. I've made many mistakes. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. Save me, Lord Jesus. Save me, Lord Jesus. Wash me, Lord Jesus. Wash me, Lord Jesus. With your precious blood. With your precious blood. Write my name. Write my name. In the book of life. In the book of life. Please receive me. Please receive as your child. As your child. I receive you. I receive as my savior. As my savior. As my father. As my father. I believe. I believe that you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. For me. For me. And you rose again. And you rose again on the third day. On the third day. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for shedding your blood. So that I can be free. So that I can I accept the gift. I accept the gift of eternal life. Of eternal life. I accept the gift today. I accept the of gift salvation. Today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Thank you, Lord for Jesus, saving me now. For saving from me this now. day forward, from this day my forward, life will not be the same. My life will not I turn be my same. back. I turn my back on Satan. On Satan. I turn my back. I turn my on back. my old friends. On my old. My friends. old life. My old life. From this day forward. From this day forward. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Let's clap for the Lord, please. And I think Pastor Chris Ross shared very well he explained the message very well so i think i'm going to ask him to share every day you know the archbishop brought the prophet and i'm also bringing you <laughs> so you, you you explain the the word very nicely to all of us amen Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages of Pastor Chris, tune in to Chris Ross Ministries podcast. Remember, faith cometh by hearing.